0: Hi there, I'm Caitlin Soule, and I'm an author, I'm a therapist, I'm a mom to three kids, and I'm also a bit of a hot mess human. I know you don't have a ton of time, so I want to dive right into topics each week that matter the most to you. Listen in as I fly solo and bring on some amazing guests to have conversations intended to help modern women say yes to their own imperfect personal growth and evolution. We'll talk honestly about all the things that matter the most to us, like motherhood, career, relationships overcoming anxiety, intimacy, so we can steer towards a life led by our values instead of our fear. Cheers. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm so excited to share this wonderful conversation that I got to have with one of my favorite podcast hosts, Abby Green. Abby Green is the co-founder and co-host of this wonderful Popular podcast you've probably heard of before called Herself Podcast. The Herself Podcast has a ton of followers and listeners. They have a community around their podcasts. I love what they post about on social. They're two moms who talk about parenting and finding your identity in the midst of the messy road that is motherhood sometimes. Abby shares with us her own experience of finding out that her son would likely be born with a trisomy disorder and what that was like in the middle of the pandemic with so little support, how she and her husband navigated it and how she's become this incredible inclusion advocate. She gives us wisdom and insight around how to teach our kids about inclusivity and how to parent leading with our heart. Abby is an incredible human, and I'm so excited to have had the opportunity to get her on the podcast. I got to be on the Herself podcast a couple months back, and it was an incredible experience. I feel like I keep saying incredible, so let's just pretend I'm not saying that over and over because I don't feel like editing today. This is the real deal. I'm tired. It's summer. I'm home with the kids. I really underestimated like <laughs> the whole summer situation, and apparently people sign their kids up for camps like, Months in advance, I did not do that. It's also really expensive. I'm just going to put that out there. And so, I don't know. I'm kind of like half kicking myself for not sending them up for more and half like wondering how the rest of the world pays for so many summer camps and also how the rest of the world doesn't lose their damn mind while they're home with their kids all summer. All right. On that note, let's listen to Abby because Abby is wonderful and she's got some good things to say. (laughs) Cheers. Hi, friends. I just wanted to take a quick little pause in the podcast to share with you some exciting news. My book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution is finally out in the world. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else you order books. You can also pop into your local bookstore and request a copy if they don't carry the book. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. It really is an incredible resource that I put together and hopes to empower you to care for your mental health by learning to say yes to you and claiming your identity as a mother and so much more. Okay, I am so excited to be here with you, Abby. And I've already kind of given my listeners a formal kind of intro to you. They know my voice sounds really crazy this week, so (laughs) I'll go ahead and just put that out there. I apologize. I'm gonna let you do most of the talking today. So, Abby, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and how you got into? I mean, first of all, you know I'm a huge fan of your your podcast herself, and you're a mom and an inclusion advocate. So, tell us a little bit about your story and how that came to be and what makes you so passionate about about doing this work.
1: Yeah. And as you, thank you, first of all, for having me on. And as you mentioned, I am a mom. I am a wife. I'm also a business owner. I wear a lot of titles. And one of the new ones is now being an inclusion advocate. And inclusion was something that has always been important to me, but it was kind of like one of those things that it happened to other people and I wanted to be an ally along the way. And during the pandemic, so kind of pull yourself back to April of 2020 when things were definitely a hot mess, (laughs) I was, exactly, exactly, I was, I went to my 20-week anatomy scan. And Caitlin, at that point, I hadn't been to the doctor very much at all because in the pandemic times, third pregnancy, things were healthy, hadn't seen my doctor a whole lot. And at that point, they had identified several soft markers. And the soft markers could have been for any number of trisomy 21, trisomy 18, trisomy 13, which can be pretty, pretty devastating. I mean, trisomy 13 and trisomy 18, generally babies don't even live very long. And then trisomy 21 is Down syndrome. So this was all thrown at me um, by myself. My husband couldn't even come. The people who were speaking were in full PPE apparel. Like you couldn't even see who was speaking. It was a very, very scary experience. And then hearing all these multiple syllable words, it just made for a really hard day on top of a really hard season. Something that I just simply wasn't prepared for.
0: Absolutely. I I think that time and how like, you're right. Like how scary everything already was. You weren't allowed to have, we weren't allowed to have people with us in the doctor's office mm-hmm. ever. Everyone was dressed like aliens. And then you get this intense, I mean, for lack of a better word, this really intense news. Yeah, I can, mm-hmm. I just, I have chills right now. I can only imagine how hard that was.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, our story now, like I look at our son, Owen, who was born with Down syndrome, with trisomy 21, and he's just the light of our world now. Like (laughs) looking at him, I'm like, gosh, why do I even have those scary feelings? But it doesn't negate the fact that you can have those scary feelings. Uncertainty, the unknown, like I'm a person who I like control. I am type A. I like following a plan. Like you have one, two, three babies. They might be a boy or a girl, but that's the only surprise that you have at birth. And with with our third, it was Uh, not. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. I think
0: backing up a little bit to that doctor's appointment I think it's it's easy to like look at like where you are now and say like you know well look look at his name's Owen right look at Owen now he's
1: mm -hmm.
0: beautiful wonderful kid but in that moment like hearing that nose not knowing really what it meant and processing it by yourself was really hard and I imagine it gives you the ability to understand what other women have had experienced for the first time right like you I have three kids and I had, you know, difficult for pregnancy. It was nothing that I expected. We, I had a medical issue that could have been life-threatening for my son. And I was like, what, where did this come from? Like everything, this wasn't part of the plan. Right. So I understand how that just feels so intense. Walk us a little bit through. Cause I know a lot of moms while they're pregnant get news that they're not quite sure how to process or what it means. How did you do that work between that moment? And then like getting to his birth, like, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I want to pull my husband's reaction into this as well, just because I know that people go through this type of process very differently, and even under the same roof with the same child. And my husband and I, like, we've been together. It's our eight-year anniversary today. So we've been together for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And even we dealt with the news differently. And right when I heard the news, it was like disbelief. It was like, you don't know my baby, like that's just a statistic. The one in 30, like isn't gonna happen to us. I literally thought about a classroom full of children. Mm -hmm. And I'm like in that full classroom full of children, could that one child be ours? Most likely not, like kind of a little bit of disbelief. And then as they started breaking down the tests and you know, trisomy 13 was ruled out, trisomy 18 was ruled out, there was a whole bunch of hope and I even I like struggle with the word hope right now because I was literally hoping that our child wouldn't have Trisomy 21 which I think is a very normal natural thing. Mm-hmm. Like people saying I just want a healthy baby. It's a really hard phrase for me to look at right now because our son is healthy. Mm-hmm. Our son is perfect. But according to the textbooks, he definitely isn't. Is- so even in that moment it was really hard to like hope for him not to be who he is today. Good point. Yeah it's
0: a whole redefining of what, what does healthy mean? And why, how do we decide what healthy is? And kind of just like we look at these norms in like mom culture and it's kind of, it's the same in like in the medical world, right. Which is like, there's so much redefining that I think needs to be done. And I'm sure that leads you into kind of the work that you're doing now and and being an inclusion advocate, but wow, that's fascinating. And so when you say you and your husband dealt with it very differently, like did that, how was that? And, you know, share what you want, but how was that while you're, I'm picturing, you know, you're trying to raise two kids, you have two small children at home, you're processing this information in the middle of a pandemic. Did it involve just like, did it involve therapy or did it involve just like you guys kind of taking your own time to process it separately and then come together? What did it look like for you guys?
1: Yeah. And I'm very honest about this part of it just because I know that not many people will raise their voices about this piece. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to tell my story. I will tell, I will keep private what we will always keep private. But then I also want to share like the really, really hard things that went through our mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, Caitlin, I literally stared at a wall for like hours Mm -hmm. because I couldn't function. Like I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. My husband, he like went right to research. So after we got the news, that phone call, that yes, your baby does have trisomy 21, we both looked at each other. And I mean, I like collapsed to the ground. And he was like, we're going to do this. We can do this. We're going to do this. And he kind of as, he like, brought out his macho man type yeah. of tendencies. He's like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to like, I'm going to do all the research so that I know exactly what we need to do. But the hard thing is, is that even down syndrome, any type of special needs, there's this continuum. Like you don't know, our baby could have been born premature. He could have been born with, with you know, brain cysts. He could have been born with heart issues. He could have been born and stayed in the NICU for a long time. And those weren't part of our story, yeah. but they could have been. Yeah. So my husband got wrapped up in this research of like, okay, he may do this. He may do this. He may do this. And I felt safest by talking to just a few, few close friends, my therapist, and then just being like, you know what? We're going to take things as we go. Good. Like, what do we know right now? What do I know right now? Right now, I know that my baby is healthy on the inside. That's what I know. Yeah. And then tomorrow, we'll figure out tomorrow.
0: It's so interesting and so important that you point that out. And thank you, by the way, a huge thank you for sharing that truth with us. Because you're right. People don't talk about these things and then they feel alone in it. What you brought up was such an important part of coping and processing how two people can get the same information and deal with it so differently. And what I'm hearing you say, which I resonate with, I, I resonate with both. It's like, I almost felt like you're just like, I need to feel this for a minute. I just need to let myself feel this and then process it. However, like, you know, moment by moment, day by day, whereas your husband went into that, like fix it mode, solve the problem, which is great because you kind of need both. Right. And only becomes problematic. I think when, cause I tend to go into like problem solver mode right away. I want to fix it. I want to make mm-hmm, a plan. Mm-hmm. And that becomes problematic for me when I don't allow myself to then feel first. Right. And so I love mm-hmm. That you're pointing out that for you, you just had to feel it and then go into that mode, whereas his process was different. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of conversations with my therapist about it because, because, and I think because he went into that fix it mode, it just took him a lot longer to process things. Yeah. So where I was, I mean I won't say 2 weeks in and out because there's still things that I'm working through obviously, but I like really felt it for a short period of time. Like I let myself sink into it. I like shut off the world for a long time and then when I felt okay to come out of it, that's when I was finally able to take a breath. Mm-hmm. Where he was like, I mean he had a really hard time for a very long time. And we're both consultants. Like we both have a history of being consultants for our job. So like fixing it, that is part of our DNA. Like I I totally get that. I do that. I do that exact same thing. So Caitlin, when you were saying that you go into that fix it mentality, instead of feeling, I get it. Like I have been there in so many places. And with this one, it was just slightly different. Could I have felt more? Yes. But as a problem solver, I felt really, really good. Like looking back, I was just so proud of myself for giving myself that space because it was the best thing for me in that what situation.
0: If you knew what you needed in a really hard, like you're, you like showed up for yourself. Right. And that's really cool mm-hmm. the show that you know, we put these labels on ourselves too, like I'm a fixer, I'm a problem solver, and then we kind of close ourselves off to the possibility that maybe this time we won't be, maybe we will allow ourselves to do things differently. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's it's so relatable. Okay, so from there, baby's born. Tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. that journey and 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 kind of what that was like and um, learning and being a part of a new community.
1: Yeah. And even just backing up to, I won't tell my entire labor story, but just the power of the mind and all of this. I mean, I had a 21 hour labor with him and a big part of it. And my doula was the one who coached me through this. She was like, Abby, like your baby is safe on the inside Uh and your baby, we're going to do everything we can to have your baby be safe on the outside. So like at a like a cellular level, I was holding on to my child because I knew that he was safe. He or she was safe on the inside, and I just didn't know what life would be like on the outside. But thankfully, he was born um, the most beautiful birth. It was like almost like he needed to be in NICU. Like that was like the thing that hey, like your baby's gonna most likely be in NICU. Maybe you can hold him for a couple of minutes. I held him for a couple of minutes, Caitlin, and they're like, he's good.
0: Like he's oh, he's I good. He's I, don't I don't think I've ever yeah. gotten
1: <laughs> in a podcast. Oh. But, yeah. How many weeks um, but just have? he wow. was born at thirty nine. So that's oh. another interesting thing. Is that with babies with Down syndrome, they automatically induce you at at week thirty nine. Okay. So they like at week twenty two, they're like, be ready like pack your hospital bags. It can really happen anytime now. So three times a week I was going into the doctor. I was so scary. I mean, as a planner, when you're planning from 22 weeks all the way up until 39 weeks of like, is the today the day is today the day and every single time. Yeah. Two small children to have to figure out that part too. But yeah, with the three day a week check-ins, it was like, nope, baby can stay in today. Baby's good baby's good, baby's good. And that just continued until week 39 when finally they're like, okay, we need some Pitocin. Like we need to get this going now. <laughs> baby's baby's ready to come out. And the reason they do that is because your placenta can fail and just complications can happen with babies with chromosomal abnormalities, the closer that you get to that due date or that delivery date. Yeah. So um, am yeah, born at 39 weeks, came out seven pounds, five ounces, healthy weight, healthy size. Like everything was good. And like literally the feeling of being able to hold my baby in my arms and not have to have someone take him away from me. I just prepared for the worst, was hoping for the best and the best situation happened with all of it. No NICU stay, no immediate heart surgeries, no immediate brain surgeries. Like it was just such a relief.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Now tell me how old were your other two children when he was born?
1: Yeah, they were, they would have been like two and four. Okay. So, or yeah. three and five. Yeah. So they're they're all about two years apart. Yeah, I know. I know how that
0: is. It's hard already. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So then tell us, you bring the baby home and my what were you doing at the time for work professionally? You said you were consulting were you, or have you already started
1: the podcast? Yeah. You've been podcasting already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were on week. Um, we had found out at, at episode 22. So like the, episode 22 true. for anybody who wants like a real raw inf- real information. I mean, Amy and I get on the microphones. I'm in tears. It was like the first time that like I told the story of how I was feeling six days post diagnosis. So that's a really good episode to, to listen to in. if you want something I real. I have listened to that one, but
0: I was asking this question because I'm so curious about the power of that. I am. I know your guys's friendship and relationship mm-hmm. is so inspiring, and it just reminds me of how important that connection is. So I was, you know, wondering how helpful that was to have. I imagine just having that project, right? I know a podcast like this, right, right here, it feels therapeutic just to, I kind of forget we're recording, just talking, but having that person in your life, you could do that with, right. And having Amy and and you guys have the podcast, what was that like?
1: Yeah, well, she was the second person I texted. It was like, I texted my mom and then I texted Amy. And just, she had been through, I mean, we hadn't seen each other for weeks because of the pandemic, face-to-face. So it was just so good having, you don't need masses. Like when a really hard situation is going on, you just need one or two people. And she was definitely one of those people that I was able to rely on and doing the podcast with her. So yeah, back to your question. I was actually full-time at that point and then went part-time about six months later and was doing the, the podcast as well, part-time and just being able to, we did a bonus episode with welcoming Owen into the world. We were able to bullet, pull in his story into a lot of the content. It just, yeah, it was such a refreshing situation. Perfect,
0: right. Like it gave, mm-hmm. I feel like what I'm hearing is like in that finding purpose and meaning and, and struggle and hard times. And again, I, I feel strange saying that because not that, cause you said he's a beautiful, healthy baby boy, like, but the struggle in not knowing what it was going to be like until he was here, that uncertainty is just so hard. So, okay. You had said that you were in the work of inclusion advocacy. Did I hear you right before he was born? And
1: then, or did this just come about after he was born? It just became important to me when yeah. we got our news. So it was always one of those things that I should say, it was always important to me, but it wasn't something that I was active in until we got the news that our baby would be born with Down syndrome. And at that point, like while I was pregnant, we joined the clubs. We like became part of this community even before he was here. Yeah. And it's called the lucky few. So the lucky few oh, is yeah. the community yeah. for those in the Down syndrome community, kind of like a four leaf clover, right? Like a four leaf clover has an extra leaf and we think of it as being lucky. And just like our child, he has an extra chromosome and we think of it as being lucky. And just to spread awareness that it can be scary, like you're not a a bad person. It's not wrong to have those scary, scary thoughts when you first get the news, but then also showcasing that our life is beautiful. Like our life has more purpose. Like turning that pain into purpose is exactly what Owen has brought to our lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tell us more about what you learned from joining the lucky few and what that meant to you to have that community. It sounds like it meant everything. What kind of things could you share with us that a lot of people don't understand? And even I don't understand about down syndrome and like what, you know, maybe some of the common myths and like the work that you guys do to help people understand it better and think of it differently. Like even just that four leaf clover analogy was beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, I, it's hard for me to even start this because when I grew up and think about when we grew up, Caitlin, like there was the special needs classroom and I didn't know those individuals because they were in like a different part of the school, a part of the school that I didn't go to. And just thinking that like, I didn't have the opportunities, not because I had a bad experience with Down syndrome, but we had no experience with Down syndrome. And as part of my platform on my Instagram account, at Abby Rose Green, as part of the Herself podcast, you know, even into our other podcast, Pursuing Her Purpose, which is more business related, those are the platforms that I'm like, hey, this is what Down syndrome is. Our life really isn't that much different besides more doctor appointments and this really cute kid that might look a little bit different and develop a little bit different than our other kids. Yeah. Those are, there's a, there's a whole lot more that's alike with us than what's different. Yeah. And even just hearing like her oldest daughter, Lucy, she's like his number one advocate. And just hearing her explain Down syndrome in her five, now six-year-old voice, like, you know, some people are bald, some people are tall, some people have dark skin, some people speak a different language, and some people have Down syndrome. Like yes. we all have something. Yes. <laughs> we all have something. <laughs>
0: Love that. and you know, it's so true. You brought up such a good point. It's not like we just didn't have exposure in like our education experience to much. Well, personally, to I didn't have exposure to much diversity at all, sadly. And growing up in a Catholic school, it's kind of like everyone fit into the box, right? If you didn't fit into the box, you're out. And no matter what you felt like on the inside, you just, you tried to fit into that box. And I remember we did have one I've never talked about this. I have so weird. I'm thinking of this now. We had one child in my class and who had Down syndrome and he was such a nice kid. And he, first, for whatever reason in fourth grade, he had to leave our school. And I just don't remember. So he was in our class and he just seemed like a normal part of our class. Like there wasn't much, almost like there wasn't enough, like kind of noticing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of what made him different and celebrating what made him different. And I just remember all I remember, and maybe this is a weird memory, but is that he got like angry and they didn't know how to regulate him. And after that, he never came back to school, which makes me now as an adult and what I know about different learning and disability and differently abled people. I'm like, that is so terrible that that's how that was dealt with. But again, Catholic school, you don't vent into the box, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are you seeing in your child's education experience, or what are you doing maybe to bring that awareness of into the education system? Like how can we, um, be more inclusive with these children? How do we actually like get to clap the class to understand how he's different yeah. he's similar, all those things.
1: Yeah. And Caitlin, I think that it really starts at home. Mm-hmm. So like we talk about schools and like what teachers can do and it's, it's, it's wonderful being on Instagram because we're able to connect with people that we would never be able to connect with. Right. Like it's so cool to be able to can speak with special with. needs teachers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, But at the same time, like a lot of this starts at home, like it starts at home when you're on the playground and you and your typical children, so typical versus down syndrome, that's just like a a way that Uh some, some, some language we can start using because there's power in words. So we have two typical children and one who has down syndrome. And if you're with your typical children and you see somebody with down syndrome, maybe he's a little boy and he's older and your children start to notice. Mm-hmm. And like, they might be like finger pointing and they're curious, like children are curious. And instantly, what do, what do we do as adults? We get nervous, right? Point, we don't get point. embarrassed. Don't point, don't point. Shh, 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 shh. Like, I'll, I'll talk to you at home. I'll talk to you at home. I'll talk to you at home. Like, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Shh. And you get nervous. And as a mom of a child with special needs, like, I can see that. Like, I, I can see the shushing. Right. So instead, this is what I encourage you to do. Like, get down to your child's height and be like, hey, it looks like you have some questions. Like, what's going on? Get curious, get inquisitive. Your child may say, You know, why are that? Does that boy speak so funny? Why is his tongue hanging out? Why do his eyes look different than mine? Why is he so much shorter than us? Mm-hmm. Like, those are questions that may come up. It's like, Oh, okay. So you're noticing that he has different eyes than you. Oh, yeah. I see that too. Oh, his, his speech is, it just, it just sounds a little bit different than ours, doesn't it? Re- really good job noticing. What do you notice that's the same? And they might be like, oh, like, oh, he has the same kind of haircut as me. And oh, I think that my little brother has that shirt. Mm-hmm. And he can go on the monkey bars just like I can. Like, these are things that are the same. And as soon as you start that conversation, I mean, the tally of things that are the same it's like, it's a child. Like, we're, they're children, they have a lot in common. So being able to share that there are differences. And there are similarities, and being like you can ask those questions. This is a safe place. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the, the the differences, but then let's also talk about what you have in common.
0: That is such a great insight because I do the first part. I think me and my husband do the first part really well. Of because I've spoken with you know a lot of parents who have said this to you. Like the worst thing that people can do is tell their kids Shh, don't talk about it. Whether it's pointing out a diff- somebody of a mm-hmm. different color skin mm-hmm. or differently abled or oh they're in a, you know happened. With my children were really, one of my children, I think it was my middle daughter and we were in a store and somebody was in a wheelchair. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, instead of saying, don't point, I said, she said, why is he, why are they in a wheelchair? I said, I don't know, sweetie. I said, I'm not sure why they're in the wheelchair. It's okay to notice that. And I said, yeah, I forgot what else I said, but I didn't point out the part, which you just said, which is let's talk about the differences, but what's, what do you notice is the same that mm-hmm. really helps children like without you telling them." Oh, they're just the same as us. They just look different. It helps them come to their own realization and understanding, which is so much more powerful, right? It's so much more powerful and we allow that space for them to do that. So that's a really great tip.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and even with Lucy, so Lucy's in, she's in kindergarten right now and she has a child in her classroom who has cochlear implants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and a hearing device that, and she has a speaker, like she has a whole bunch of technology and she has been talking about this friend for the entire school year. And it wasn't until I met this friend in person that I'm like, oh, this is your friend, Libby, that you've been speaking about. And she goes, yeah, Libby gets to wear a headband every day because she can't hear as well. And I'm like, oh my goodness. She, Lucy had noticed all the things that were the same and hadn't even like thought to bring up the one big difference that as human beings we would normally see right away. Because her teacher and the kids around had just done such a good job of figuring out what's the same. So she was able to be part of this group, even though she had one thing that was different because we all have one thing that is different.
0: Yeah. It's just that when we can't see all the things, right. And so when it, when, when kids and, and adults, like it's, it's hard when you can see differences, you can understand them or at least notice them more. But what's hard about mental, you know, kind of on a different topic, what's hard about mental health and mental health struggle, things like depression, anxiety, ADD, we can't see those things in people too. So right. part of it is helping us recognize. And this is a great, you know, thing to tell kids is some people have differences we can see on the outside. Some people have differences we can't see, and they're on the inside. We're all different, and I love this. And how are we also? the same or similar. I love that. Yeah. It's it's a sense of
1: belonging, right? The sense of belonging, feeling like you belong somewhere. And that's what inclusion really is all about.
0: Yeah. So is your son, so he's in in a typical classroom with the kids of like kind of going through the normal, I should say typical um, Mm -hmm. school experience. Is there anything different that he does or any extra services that he gets or needs, or is he kind of just moving through?
1: Yeah, well, he's um he's only 21 months right now, so he That's he's still in the daycare setting. Yeah, he's still oh, in the daycare so setting. Daycare. Um, but he is moving between his classrooms at like just a slightly delayed rate. So when he started crawling, then he got to go to the next classroom, which you know he was a little bit older than everyone else. But since he's a little bit smaller than the yeah. um, average kiddo, he like fit right in. But it's so cool. Like I want to bring this into the conversation, Caitlin, because as soon as he moved into it's called the wobbler room, yeah. as soon as he moved into that he started standing like the next day and he started taking steps within a few weeks. So it also just shows like, we can challenge our kids a little bit, our our kids who are typical and our kids who are differently abled. We can challenge them just enough to like help them get to that next level because he may have just been comfortable sitting and crawling
0: (laughs) until we put him into that. Right.
1: Yeah. Just like Mm -hmm. ourselves,
0: when it comes to our own growth, right. And our own evolution, if we don't, if we keep everything the same, we don't change, and so I love that. That's that's such a good point. I'm thinking of that my son, he's four, and he's definitely the oldest in his class right now. And the teacher's like, I think he needs to like move up because he kind of thinks he like rules the roost. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, a, yeah, he could definitely use to kind of that challenge to level up his behavior a little bit for sure.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, on top of that, he also sees a speech therapist mm-hmm. and he also does physical therapy. So kiddos with Down syndrome, speech can be delayed. Mm-hmm. And you might be like, why does a?" Because he's been going since he was about a month old. Like, what does a one month old need for speech? But the cool part about speech is that it's not just talking. It's uh-huh. also eating and nursing and like learning how to work their mouth muscles in all the different ways. Yeah. And then he also sees a physical therapist because he has a low muscle tone. So low muscle tone is very, very common with kids with, with Down syndrome. And that just means that his muscles are a little bit squishier than a typical human. So it just takes them a little bit longer to get the knack of some of the physical things.
0: Totally. Tell us, I know I. I have a couple more questions for you and then we can wrap up. Mm-hmm. So I love talking with you and you're, you're, you have such a, I can tell you've done so much of your own work to not only understand, you know, how to talk about these things in a way that makes sense and that people can understand, but also like, I just, your pride for him just beams out of you. And I just, love that. <laughs> I, just I love it. What is the, what are some of the hard parts? Like, even I'm just thinking as a mom to three. Like you mentioned extra appointments, right? Like we will do anything for our kids, I know. So we kind of forget like that it's hard because it's just kind of what we do. But is that even just managing all the extra things? Like, is that hard? Tell me what are some of the hard parts
1: for you Yeah. And it's not just the appointment. So he sees like a heart specialist because he had a heart issue that is now closed up. He sees a liver specialist because he had a liver issue that is now closed up. He sees an eye, ear, nose. I mean, he sees a lot of specialists just to keep tabs on things. And going to the appointment once a month is one thing. Like that's a lot of different specialists. Now we're at like the three month or six month mark with a few of them, which is excellent. But then it's all the follow-up afterwards. Like you are inundated with information like, make sure that you're doing this, make sure you're checking this. If he starts to do this, then do this. And remembering all of that for every single one of the doctors, that can be, just be, I mean, it's a full-time job right there. Like that just feels like a full-time job. And I'm a person who I love my career. Like I love doing the podcast. I love, I love my job outside of being a mom as well, which I know we can, we can speak about in in another podcast episode, but yeah, I'm going to have Abby back on to talk about that. But just being able to own all those titles. It's like owning not just the title of mom and special needs mom at that, because that takes on a whole nother nother set of skills. But then also being able to be in the other areas. So I do feel this tug. So when you say like, what is the hardest part? I do feel this tug, this automatic pull of, I should always be doing something, not just with Owen, like he does require more work, but then with our other kids as well. And like any mom, any mom can, can feel this. It's like, ah, oh, I could be reading more books. I could be really honing in on discipline. I could yeah. be, I could be, right? I could be. Um, but then with special needs parenting, there's just that added extra pressure because you're oh, adding yeah. in like, oh, I don't want him to be the seven-year-old who still can't speak or, you know, the eight-year-old who still isn't potty trained. Like, what can I be doing now to make sure that he has the best, the best possible foundation for his life ahead.
0: Sure. Like the normal worry is there. And then it's like that added mm-hmm. layer. And then follow up question on that. What is that? Does it feel hard sometimes? And you sound like you've done a beautiful job with your other two children, helping, helping them understand. And it, I don't think kids actually need much help. I think it's just like this is my brother, like right. They just like naturally are better at better than us, I think, um, more mm-hmm. accepting. Um do you ever struggle with? Cause I imagine I struggle with as a mom to three feeling like I'm spending more time with one at a certain you know, point because they have different needs. How do you, I talk a lot about this on the podcast. How do you deal with that? As we say, mom guilt, that's a huge topic when it comes mm-hmm. to one child needing more in a certain season than another, like that's just so real. How do you cope with that? Or what are some things that you tell yourself that are helpful?
1: Oh, it is so hard. That is so hard. And one thing, like we don't, like our other children don't know that Owen has all these appointments because it's when Lucy's at school and when is at daycare. Mm-hmm. So right from the start, like for better or worse, like if it's wrong or right, they don't know about all these added appointments, but I still feel it. Like yeah. I still know that I spent an hour with Owen. We're working his little muscles. Should I be spending an hour with Micah, our four-year-old, as soon as I get home? Should I make sure that I'm spending an hour with Lucy? And the hour when you have three kids and um, you're a working parent, yeah. <laughs> you can't. It's so hard. So we do, we focus on 10-minute increments. Yeah. Um, cool. We focus on 10-minute increments, like phones yeah. down, full attention, like they are your whole world for 10 minutes. You can paint nails. You can go for a bike ride. You can cut up grass in the backyard, whatever they want to do. We focus on doing that with each of our children. It doesn't happen every single day, but as much I, as we I possibly said
0: can. That, I think that's a really great point. That is something I recommend f- to parents all the time is one, two things. It's like, we think we have to do so much more. It's not about the length of time. It's about the quality of time. So yes 10 minutes is yes. And if we can just say for those 10 minutes, the child gets to direct the play, whatever they want to do with, you know, within safety reason and things like that, mm-hmm. and you get to be there, those 10 minutes can be so restorative. And so it's like putting money into that, like emotional bank for them. And so I love, and I also love that you said, you don't have to do it every day. Cause once I decided to <laughs> do this, then I started feeling guilty. Like I was doing it maybe a couple times a week. And I'm like, wait, you're missing the point here. Like, it's not about one more thing to feel bad about.
1: It's like, I love the word ish. Can we do this daily ish, right? Let's, let's try that. Mm-hmm. And then also with this like focus on the times you are doing it right. Like as moms, as women, we are so focused on like what we could be doing, what we should be doing, what we aren't doing. Yeah. It's like no, focus on every time that you did spend 10 minutes with a child. Like celebrate that. Like that is amazing. There is so For much going in on in this world ideas, that that is Right? Like I'm so glad yes. I did 10 minutes today. Like we should really do that. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And also kids don't know, I mean, as kids get older, they understand the difference between five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour. But like, if you are their whole world for 10 minutes, like that quality, like you said exactly right, that quality of time is worth its weight in gold in comparison to, you know, an hour and a half long physical therapy session that Owen may get during the day.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, Avi, I want to give you a chance to tell us if you, this is, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you... (laughs) If you could tell the world one thing about being a mom of a child with Down syndrome or about a chi- children with Down syndrome, what would it be? I'm going to have you back on to talk about playing kind of like you said, whole, stepping into all of our roles beyond like as mom and more, which is a topic I love. But I want to end with this. If you could tell us one really important thing about children with Down syndrome and what it's like to love them, we would
1: just, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Owen is, I know. Like thinking about Owen, he is just this bright light. And we were in the dark for a very, very long time until we met him, until we understood him. And now that we get to love him. And I would just encourage people out there, like ask the questions. Like when you're curious, ask the questions, obviously not being offensive, but like ask the questions because We didn't grow up in a society where the questions were asked, and this entire beautiful population was kind of tossed to the side, for lack of a better term, for a long time. And even thinking about like our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation, like many of those individuals, like people didn't even know who they were. Yeah. So like ask the questions so that you can understand as an adult and that then you're Children can understand that we are a whole lot more alike than we are different. And it's not something to be scared of. It's not something to say I'm sorry for. It's something to celebrate. And at the very, very basic level, just treating them like one of the guys. Because life with a a child with special needs is hard enough. So be inclusive in your own home. Be inclusive with your children. Start that language and ask the questions.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. And then what where can people get resources to um maybe if they're interested in finding out more about how they can do some advocacy themselves or bring some information into their school? Like what do you recommend? The lucky few or what are some organizations that you recommend? Do you have stuff on your website? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I'm at Abby Rose Green on Instagram. I share resources very frequently. Also look at the Gigi's Playhouse within your area. So Gigi's Playhouse is all over. It's all over the world, I believe, but definitely within America and has some really great resources. If you know somebody who recently got a Down syndrome diagnosis, check out Jack's Basket. It had the best tools and resources that the best gift that I've ever gotten was from Jack's basket. And as a purchaser, you don't have to pay any money. You just pay the shipping and it goes to a family who really needs it. So those are a few to check out right away.
0: Gigi's Playhouse. And then, you know, at Abby, is it at Abby Green? I have it. I'm following you. At Abby Rose Green. Yeah, And I'll put all of this in the show notes, everyone. Abby, Thank you so much for coming on. You guys have to check out their podcast. I say there because Abby does a podcast with Amy, who I'm also going to be having the Herself podcast and her purpose
1: or sorry, did I say that wrong? Pursuing. Yeah. Pursuing Pursuing her her purpose purpose. is for the buddy and entrepreneur. So the mom that wants to be so much more, we have, we have a podcast for you as well. I love your
0: podcast. I love you. Thank you for coming on. It's been such a joy and just so insightful to talk with you and yeah, we'll talk soon. I'll look forward to having you back.
1: Awesome, Caitlin. Thanks again so much. Thanks.
0: just a quick note to thank you again for listening to this podcast and for all of your support some further ways you can support me in this work and being able to continue to produce this podcast are by leaving my podcast a review on apple podcasts believe it or not that matters having better reviews and more ratings helps me continue to get the high quality guests that i want to be able to get for this podcast Also, if you haven't already, grab a copy of A Little Less of a Hot Mess. You can do that on Amazon or anywhere you buy books. You can also go to your local bookstore or library and request that they order a copy. Lastly, I want to leave you with this. By sharing about this podcast in the book and having brave conversations about mental health and motherhood, we are changing the future, not just for ourselves, but for our children. And that's pretty freaking awesome. Cheers.